we really have an opportunity to catch these issues at a young age so men are healthier throughout their lifetimes, which we know creates healthier relationships, healthier children. And like, we all know this, we know the whole nine yards. But I think a lot of practitioners are afraid to approach it because there isn't a lot of information and there is some taboo or mystique surrounding it. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. Entirely too often in clinic, I find myself saying the words good or bad. I think it's a kind of mental laziness on my part. Rarely is it helpful, and it's not helpful because the pronouncement of good or bad not only ends the inquiry, it wastes an opportunity to learn more. There's too much baggage with good and bad. It calls the polarities of the world into action. It's too easy to take a lifetime of opinion and emotion connected to those words and invite it into the clinical encounter where it only isn't helpful. It gums up the therapeutic process. Pronouncing something as good or bad is like asking a yes-no question. It's like asking, do you still have headaches instead of how have your headaches been this week or how are your headaches different? since the last visit. People come to see us because they have something they don't want or they don't have something and they do want it. They already have a story of good and bad wrapped along with the main complaint. Good and bad is a minefield of reactivity. I can't think of another polarity that I'd rather not get caught up in. It's the kind of rubric that nations go to war over, that family members will estrange over, and cause the hamster wheel of your own mind to have you thoughtlessly running in one direction or another. Good and bad might be the first words that you heard your parents telling you. It's the go-to judgment we hear growing up. It's how we add fuel to our opinions and biases. The problem with good and bad is that it doesn't contain useful information. It's flat in terms of content, but deep in terms of emotional attachment. These days, I put the tip of my tongue between my teeth and press lightly when I want to say good in the clinic. There has to be a better response, and preventing myself from being able to speak forces my mind to come up with something that has less judgment and more inquiry. Far more helpful is to hold back the judgment of good or bad and see what else is unfolding. Let me give you an example. The other day, I had a patient who shared the news that the metastases in their lungs were gone and a tumor had turned necrotic. I found myself wanting to say, that's good. But is it? I wanted to express delight that he's apparently getting better. But in a situation like this that could turn around and go the other way just as quickly, I found that over the years, that cautious optimism is more settling to the spirit for both the practitioner and the patient. So rather than pronouncing something good, try extraordinary, as I did with this patient. That opens up a different discussion. Or ask how that turn of events has affected the patient, or about their sense of what it is that contributed to the positive changes. Likewise, when things take a turn for the worse, 
an inquiry into what that means can open up more possibilities. Labeling the situation as bad will blind you and the patient to how the unfolding situation might contain opportunities that otherwise wouldn't be able to arise. Try it for yourself. Instead of passing judgment with good or bad, try opening an inquiry into what it means for the patients. How does this change things? What is it like for you? Or simply asking, is there anything else about that? These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face, so subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love 
was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Certainly need good clinical judgment to do our work, to be able to discern what's going on for our patients and the tools that Chinese medicine offers us in terms of differential diagnosis are very helpful in both seeing an overall pattern and specific manifestations of the troubles that patients bring in the door. Today, we turn our focus toward men's health. Given that men are roughly 50% of the population, you might expect for there to be more practitioners who focus on men's health as a specialty. But in fact, men are underserved in this vital area of well-being. Today's guest, Lisa Lapwing, has made a study of and specializes in the common issues that trouble men in terms of sexual and reproductive health. In our Chinese medicine world, there are so many resources that you can lean on if you want to know about women's health, but not so much for us guys. Lisa has some thoughts on treating those of us with the XY chromosomes. Let's get into this. Lisa Lapwing, welcome to Geological. Thank you, Michael. It's really good to be here. Happy to have you here today. We're going to talk about something near and dear to the hearts of approximately half the population, men's health. Absolutely. Yeah, or I should say near and dear to the prostates of, uh, <laughs> of half the population. Exactly. Half the population. <laughs> exactly. So Chinese medicine is famous for treating women's health. Lots of people do it. There's many methods. You want to find out how to treat women's health? Easy to go and learn about it. Yes. But half the population, there's not that much out there on treating men. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good question. Part of my goals in not just treating but going forward is educating. And maybe one of the reasons there's not a lot of information or education about it is fear or a discomfort on the part of the practitioner as well as the patient. And then physicians, Western physicians, don't realize this is something that can be treated with oriental Chinese medicine, acupuncture and herbs, even exercise, physical therapy. So I think the simple answer to that is education for all parties involved and taking the fear, uh, the, the mystery, the confusion out of treating this area, this whole subset of the population, which at some point is going to have a major issue that needs to be treated because it affects all other parts of their health care. Sure. Well, and for the majority of us guys, after the age of 50, 
prostate becomes kind of annoying. Absolutely. Not everybody, but many, many men have either hypertrophy, slow-growing cancers, that kind of thing. Absolutely correct. In younger men, it's prostatitis. Mm. I'm seeing more and more ED across the board from 18 to men in their 80s. From 18? Yeah. 18. Wait a minute. That's completely wrong. Yeah, it is. What do you think is going on there? A lot of different things. It could be abuse. Mm physical, sexual, mental, uh, religious, societal. Mm -hmm. These kids are seeing a lot of unusual things, unusual to me, I'm, I'm older, on, online, on social media. That gives them stress, depression, anxiety, and their bodies aren't functioning accordingly. accordingly as, and as we know, pornography is at the touch of your fingers these days, so they're overstimulated. They don't know how to filter out sexual desire versus a quick fix versus love and compassion. And so there's becoming a brain body disconnected really early age. Mm -hmm. Injuries. Again, I've had a few patients recently where they've heard through the grapevine or seen something on the internet that's all the rage and sexuality and feeling good. And the next thing they know, they've actually damaged their body physically. And now we have ED or prostatitis as a result. You know, part of me wants to ask, what in the hell are these kids doing? A part of me doesn't even want to know. It's a bunch of different things, but it's out there. It's out there. Unusual things with hair ties. I'll leave it at oh, okay. that. And they're, and they're hurting themselves. Yep. They're damaging blood vessels, skin, nerves. So yeah, so it's really, it's becoming a all generation issue now, not just an older population issue. Conversely, when you really start to look at things like prostate cancer, we're finding out now that that starts almost in the womb, in utero, based on mom's diet, but it just doesn't show up till generations later. So again, it's educating as many people as we can, mothers-to-be, about having a proper diet when they're pregnant and all through a young man's life so that his chances of developing cancer at all, or maybe a lower stage is much lower because they are taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So it really is, whereas it was traditionally looked at kind of in, in Chinese medicine, when you do come across it, it's mostly you'll see impotence, right? Or seminal emission or low libido. And it's not really talked about, and it's mostly Kenichi right? Mm -hmm. Deficiency or essence deficiency. And then it's just kind of left alone at that. Right. And that's not helpful for so many situations. Correct. Correct. And again, no, this is affecting younger people now. So we really have an opportunity to catch these issues at a young age. So men are healthier throughout their lifetimes, which we know creates healthier relationships, healthier children. And like, we all know this, we know the whole nine yards. But I think a lot of practitioners are afraid to approach it because there isn't a lot of information and there is some taboo or mystique surrounding 
it when there really shouldn't be. It's a condition like anything else we're treating. It just happens to do with the sexual organs. Well, men in virility, I think most men have some issues with that because so much of our sense of who we are is tied into that. tied to it. Right? Like women, I know certain patients I've had, they really wanted children and they just ended up couldn't, they just couldn't have children. And I mean, some of them are still in their 60s working through that. Right. They're crushed. Right. So there's aspects of who we imagine ourselves to be tied to our biology, especially reproduction. Yes, absolutely. And no pun intended, it's a hot topic, right? A lot of emotion Mm -hmm. goes around that. You're so true. So aside from treating the physical body, of course, we're always treating the emotional and spiritual body. Mm. Because there is, chances are, whatever a man comes in with whatever issue he's having, even if it's back pain, again, we know this, there's some emotional issue tied in. I had a patient years ago who was getting chronic prostatitis, chronic prostatitis, and which could be a whole nother subject we could approach. He would only ever give me so much information. Finally, after like four months, mm-hmm. Through little bits of information he would give me that he was he was comfortable doing. I never really pushed. I found out that he had had a major, massive, heartbreaking separation with a girlfriend of many years. And it directly coincided with where this prostatitis stemmed from. So months and months and months, we're thinking it's physical. Finally, after getting those little pebbles of information over time, it was directly related to the emotion involved, the trauma. And once we started shifting our attention to that, wouldn't you know it, Mm. his prostatitis cleared up, right? So that's another difficult thing to approach when you're working with men is that the identity tied to it and the emotions surrounding when something goes wrong is really hard, I find, for men to approach, right? It's really hard to talk about it. They're embarrassed, there's shame, and those things also play into the issue. So there are a lot of layers to unpack. It's not, oh, you have ED, here's a pill. It, it isn't that simple. But what's beautiful about that is we have the tools to work through those layers, unlike many other professions, we have the tools to really have that deep healing, which Chinese medicine is all about, that root healing. Yeah. Let's get into those layers here. But before we do, do you notice a difference like among the generations of men, younger men, maybe middle-aged, maybe older, and their comfort or ability to talk about themselves, talk about their sexual life, talk about their emotions, all those kinds of things? Yes. What kind of differences do you see between the generations, if there are any? There definitely are. There definitely are. And I'm sure that's what sparked your question, because you're probably seeing them too. The kids, younger kids, are definitely more willing to talk about their bodies and their emotions. They're still a little uncomfortable, but more willing. And that's where, in any 
of the generations you're working with, but it kind of comes upon the practitioner to really make people feel comfortable and safe and that it's okay to talk about these things. Middle-aged, I would say the middle-aged group right now is probably the most willing to talk about it physically because they think their time's running out. So it's like, man, I got to get this fixed so I can really utilize this to the end of my days. But they're less apt to talk about the emotional component. The physical, sure, but the emotional, not so much. The older generation is reticent to talk about any of it. They will, and they're the ones you really have to be patient with. And they may not even say it at first. They may check headaches or back pain. Mm. And after a few treatments, they're like, do you know, I did see on your intake that you had BPH. I was a little embarrassed, but is there anything you can do? So yes, the younger kids are willing and able to talk about physical and emotional. I just think Mm. younger, right? So they're still learning to be comfortable in society, period. Middle generation, they're gung-ho. Let's get me physically better, but they don't want to touch that emotional so much. And the older gentlemen want to be better all around. They just have never really had the okay to talk about these things. So they're the ones you really have to be patient with and let like patient-led care, really let them find their way to you. And most of them do. Once they're comfortable and mm-hmm. you know, you're easy to work with and talk to, they find their way around to what the real issue is because they do want to get better. It's so true. And I think it's true for so many patients. They do want to get better. Initially, they want to first find out, are you a trustworthy person to help me? Absolutely. And some of that is, can you fix my physical problem? Yes. And some of it is, are you trustworthy in uncharted or choppy waters? Correct. And that's true. And so speaking to the practitioner, it is being able to say erection, penis, orgasm, urination, bowel movements, masturbation as a clinician, right? If you're uncomfortable saying these things, if you're uncomfortable having these conversations with your patient, oh boy, are they going to pick up on that and turn tail. Mm -hmm. So you have to really be able to approach these things in that white lab coat, but also with a little laid back in easiness because they're getting that real strict talk from their doctors already. And there is a really good emotional disconnect coming like from their urologists or their GP. And that's also not what they're seeking out when they're seeking you, whether they say it or not. They want that practitioner that has a little bit more of an emotional connection, right? Now, I'm not saying squat in front of them, put your hands on their knees. It's a little close. No, you want appropriate boundaries, appropriate, proper boundaries. Exactly right. And I think we have that. Well, I think we can, but like you said, we're, we're talking about very emotionally charged issues and just being able to use the language. Comfortably so. In a way that's comfortable. That's right. So how do you get comfortable with the language? Talk about it. Just keep talking about it. Talk to me. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. Talk to your other patients about it. Talk to your family and friends and just start using these words to get comfortable with them. I almost liken it to like when you're first falling in love with somebody, it's like, you want to say it, 
but it's getting stuck. Mm -hmm. And then the more you say it, the more becomes easy, right? That's my best example. Have these conversations with people. That's a great example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets stuck. It's like, oh, it's in me, but I just can't. So use it. Okay. Just use it. Use that language. And I think, again, creating a community of us practitioners, not just acupuncturists, but other practitioners in healthcare and having these conversations and using this language makes it so much easier for all involved. Okay. So let's turn toward some of the layers and levels. Yes. We all learned in school, Shen Chi Wan, Ba Wei Di Huang Wan, right? If there's some kind of male health issue. But I have found that rarely helps the problem. So what kinds of things are you actually seeing? I see a lot of erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. I actually do see a lot of prostatitis, swollen, inflamed, infected prostate. I see a lot of BPH, prostate swelling. Mm -hmm. I do see prostate cancer. Unfortunately, it's usually after the damage is done. Mm -hmm. So again, this could be a whole separate subject, but one of my goals is really starting to spark education about prevention so that when you're seeing me, it's not too late and there really isn't too much we can do. Right. I do see a lot of pain too, chronic pelvic pain, pain in the perineum and actual penis and things like that. Those are kind of the heavy hitters. I don't, low libido, but low libido almost comes along with all of those issues. Rarely do I see it as its own separate thing. Mm -hmm. I see that more so in women than men and that's menopause related, but those are really the heavy issues. And sometimes they are a standalone, but more often, as we know, they're in combination to something else, hypertension, psycho-emotional issues. And that's where we start seeing all the layers involved come in. And that's why these medications don't work for long. It just sends you some blood flow. It doesn't fix your hypertension. It doesn't change your anxiety, depression, you know? Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Yes, but, you know, there, we have such a desire for that quick fix. Absolutely. 
And even though you and I know that there aren't really quick fixes, everybody's still kind of hoping that there might be. And our patients are coming in hoping for some kind of acupuncture magic because acupuncture is magic, right? How often do we hear somebody walk in and go, now how many times do I have to do this? How long is this going to take? It's the second or third question out their mouth, right? Right. And we know it's going to take a little while. Yeah. So let's start with, let's dig into some of these. Let's start with prostatitis, right? Infection of the prostate. Correct. Often I see twofold, diet and emotion Mm. related. Rarely is it the result of a STD, of a sexually transmitted disease. That's out there. It happens. But it's more so really terrible diet. Hot, greasy, liver cheese stagnation, phlegm damp retention in the lower jaw, often dehydrated patients. It was actually, I saw more prostatitis in, believe it or not, Texas, where we have heavy, greasy, barbecue, Mm. Mexican food diets compared to where I am now in Florida, we also have a larger geriatric community here. So I'm seeing less of it in general, but diet was huge as far as that went in Texas. So lots of damp heat is what you're seeing. I mean, that it, I mean, just kind of classic damp heat in the gorge. Correct. What kind of formulas do you like to use for that? It really, almost anything that will, I can't remember actual off the top of my head, anything that drains that damp heat, that's mm. that's not too aggressive because we don't want to damage the liver yin mm-hmm. either. And I know some of them pack like such a whopper. Long Dan Chagantan could be good if it was really, if that heat was creeping up and you could like really start seeing it on the tongue, mm-hmm. feeling it in the pulse. Otherwise, I, I honestly don't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> Yeah. I'm thinking that like the army alsan, maybe san san. Yeah. They go to the lower jowl, they take some heat out. Real classic formulas, yeah. Real classic formulas. So we could start there. That's a great place to start. Okay. And usually I want to say that's a fairly easy condition to treat. Mm. If it's food related, it's temporary. Herbs are great. The acupuncture is great. And if you can get your patient on board with diet and lifestyle changes, they're going to clear through that pretty quickly. Yeah, but who wants to give up barbecue? Nobody wants to give up barbecue. Nobody wants to give up barbecue. Yeah. Right. So it's adding things in to combat it, right? Green tea, greens, all that different stuff that can help break up some of that dampness. Mm-hmm. Seaweed, if they eat it, usually people who barbecue don't always love seaweed, but. <laughs> I've never seen barbecue and seaweed used together. I like them both. Exactly. I like them both too. I wouldn't wouldn't put them together. No. But you know so you know what I mean. It's it's getting people to take any little piece any little piece towards their healthcare that they can actually do to see if we mm-hmm. can balance out the damage they do when they're not in that treatment room with us. Right. What about acupuncture for uh prostatitis? Great stuff, Ren for Ren 3, Ren 9, drain some of that damp, spleen 9, always stomach 36 as a balancer, liver 2, liver 4, mm-hmm. gallbladder 41, bladder 40, all those will just, LI 11, all those will just pull that heat right out. Sometimes Ren 1, mm-hmm. if it's real, if, if they're feeling physical irritation, heat in the area, itching, 
if they're having excessive redness, REN1 can be really great for that too. Do you ever work like the opposite, like go for like do 20 to yes. mirror the perineum? Almost always do mm. 20. I taught a class here for, for Soma not too long ago. And this is why I love doing these things. One of the students who joined, I forgot who he said to this. I don't know if it was Tan, but he views the eyes as the testicles and the nose as the penis in mirror, right? So another really great point to mirror the perineum is yin tang. Oh, interesting. Do 20 or yin tang. The eyes as the testicles and the nose as the penis. Yeah. Okay. Somehow I don't want to have that image in my mind too much. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it works. It works. But I can see the value of yin tang for that. And really yin tang and bai hui do 20 they're both really helpful for spirit calming too. Which is usually an issue with this, right? You're upset, your body's not functioning properly. So I almost always with any of my treatments include a yin tang, a do 24, a do 20, a combination of, I don't care what I'm treating. Usually everybody needs any one of those points. And that includes me. So (laughs) Yeah. So I've been kind of working between that yin tang and do 20 recently and it's mm-hmm. getting pretty good results. And I'm actually stimulating yin tang, I think a little more than we normally would, because I really want to affect that lower and upper connection. And, you know, patients will give you a little wink, but they're fine. Mm-hmm. They want to get better. You really want to make sure the body gets the message. Absolutely. Yeah. They prefer that over Ren one any day. So even though it doesn't hurt, it's just the idea. Yes. Being a guy, I would rather you did yin tang on me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That sounds a lot better. Yeah. So the prostatitis tends to be more acute. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Benign, (laughs) unless you've got it and then you know it's not benign, it's a hassle. Yeah. Benign hypertrophy. Now, that's a whole different thing. It's not acute. It's chronic. It's chronic. In treating any of these issues, Really, having a strong differential is going to help you out. And I think sometimes when alternative practitioners are approaching these issues, they're almost doing it with a Western mind. And we we really have to step Mm -hmm. back from that and look at the differential, especially in these chronic conditions. That's going to help you treat, right? So maybe there's swelling and irritation, but if we don't pull it back to the kidney chi deficiency, the damp retention, or the kidney essence deficiency, especially with something like BPH, that patient's not going to get better, right? So really making sure we have our differential set strongly when we're looking at these chronic issues. And it is a pain. And with BPH, we're not just treating the prostatitis. Now we're treating the bladder, right? Because it affects bladder function Mm -hmm. so much. So it really is one of these things that requires a well-rounded approach and pretty consistent care. And I'm going to come at it with acupuncture. I'm going to come at it with herbs. Again, damp draining, if that's the worst, right? And then support the kidney or vice versa. If the damp's not too bad, but the kidney's just so weak and deficient 
and I'm going to come at it with food therapy and exercise. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit because I think this is one of the really critical issues for so many men as they age. Very few men are not going to have some kind of enlargement of the prostate. So there's like a ton of guys out there that could really use some help with this. In terms of the patterns that you see, can you tell us a little bit about the main ones that you see and like the key indicators that say, that point you toward, say, some dampness as opposed to deficiency, the indeficiency? So I do see a lot of damp protection in the lower jowl, usually, maybe not cold, but definitely rarely heat with BPH. And I'm feeling for it in the pulse. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the swelling of the tongue or the color of the tongue. Is it pale? Is the coating wet, greasy? Sometimes there's a little more of that phlegmy, greasy retention. Is the urine profuse and clear? Are they overweight? Are they pale? Are there guys with prostate enlargement that have profuse urine? I would think most of them would have dribbly urine. They do, but on the occasion when they are really like able to let it go, it's mm. profuse and clear. But yes, a lot of times there's dribbly urine or there's a hesitancy. It's hard to start mm -hmm. or have a continuous stream. Sometimes it's even hard to shut back off. There can be low back pain. If there's deficiency, we're looking for more of those chronic deficiency issues, like really pale skin, they're tired, they have dark circles or bags under their eyes, maybe there is no weight issue, but there's the weak knees, they have more fatigue than they should at this age, like joint pain, all that stuff that leads you to more of that kidney deficiency, essence deficiency. We also want to talk back into with any issue, what their sexual past is to see if they've had sexual exhaustion, if they've overused their bodies, right? Has there been damage to the area? Have they been a cyclist? We see mm -hmm. prostate cancer, BPH, prostatitis, and a lot of, you know, bicycle cyclists or somebody who skate, I've had skateboarders, they boop, caught themselves right in the center on a rail. Right inevitably later in life, they're going to have BPH and possibly cancer because there's been actual physical trauma. So uncovering those things to see, is there a little bit of a layer of stagnation? Has there been, you know, you have kidney essence deficiency because you've been overly sexually active in any of these issues, but BPH is a lot to do too. It's just aging and like, more of that andropause, that testosterone lowering and whatnot, because it helps keep some of the tone and shape of the muscle. So standard process has tribulus, which is a, I forget what plant it is, but it's a plant that helps naturally generate and stimulate sexual health, reproductive hormones, testosterone. It really balances out testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone. I don't remember exactly how, but I've had some good success herbally with that, in addition to, you know, other formulas for either drain damp or tonify kidney cheers, things like that. Yogaiwan, Jogaiwan, wherever they're at, yin or yang, yin or yang, red tongue, pale tongue, 
and of course, it's always a combination, right? It's never just kidney chi deficiency. It's never just damp retention. It's always a little bit of a combination. Sure. There's usually a few things going on. Do you look much at what might be going on with the hormones? I know that for some men, they take testosterone and convert it to, now I'm not remembering, but they, they convert more to estrogen, right? And then there's different kinds of testosterone. Some cause the prostate to enlarge more, others yeah. less so. Do you ever look into that kind of stuff, kind of a functional medicine glimpse into it, or, or do you pretty much stick with your Chinese medicine on this? I do occasionally look at that stuff. If we are not finding success with the traditional Chinese medicine, we'll start to investigate those hormone issues. Often, though, they are coming to me after they've seen their urologist who's done a blood panel. So we already kind of know. So yes, I do it, but I really try to stick more with Chinese medicine mm -hmm. and herbs and encourage the body to figure this out by itself rather than just start suggesting you go through a bunch of hormones on top of it and then trying to fix the damage that causes. Sure. Encourage the body to work itself out. Yeah. That is our job, isn't it? Imagine that. And I've had patients who do the testosterone pellets and whatnot, and it's a pain in the rear, literally. It's uncomfortable. And again, it's going to work at first because your body's like, hey, hey, I've been missing this. This is great. But eventually, like anything, it becomes tolerant. Mm -hmm. And you're putting in something that your body should know how to produce. And it's like, well, you're giving it to me. I, I don't need to produce it anymore. So then when they're off of it for a little while, it tanks. Their testosterone totally tanks. And they're like, well, what happened? I'm like, you made your body forget how to produce testosterone. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of the issues is we see this with digestion as well. If you give people things to move their peristalsis, now the body forgets how to do its own peristalsis. So I think one of the beauties of, of the work that we do or have the capacity to do is encourage the body and its natural capabilities. Yeah, exactly. Now, all that being said, I know like with women's health, at least in my experience, I'm not an expert, see the regular amount you would see in a general practice. Mm -hmm. Things like fibroids, like smaller fibroids, tend to respond pretty well to Chinese medicine, but like really big, massive, grapefruit-sized things, not so well. Right. That laparoscopic surgery is a great way to get rid of blood stasis. Now, in terms of prostates for men, have you seen PSA numbers go down? Have you seen prostates shrink in size? Absolutely. You do? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the nice aspects, because this is hard to measure, right? Because it's inside the body. So one of the great marriages of East and West is you're working with a patient for a couple of months. They go get that blood test and you see that PSA go down. It's like, heck yes, mm -hmm. this is working. And then you watch it even go further down or at least maintain. And I most recently had a patient I was seeing for BPH prostate PSA was, it was high. It was somewhere around five. So all the doctors were all freaking out. So he's, he's like, 
you guys settle down. I'm going to try some acupuncture and we'll see what happens. Four months treatment every other week only because he couldn't make it more often than that. It went down to two. That's significant. It's huge. It's huge. And then he couldn't come back for two months and shot right up to, it was like 3.5 or something. And then he came back and we only treated for two months and it, it went back down to that too. Now he's been with me consistently a year and a half every other week to every three weeks and we're holding. Mm-hmm. Now he's a smoker. So that's a component of it. But one of the reasons he's happy sticking around is that this is also helping him smoke less and keep his lungs clear and his PSA is staying low. So he's one of these patients we love to have. He will be with me till it's not a good idea for either of us anymore, right? Like the acupuncture has helped the main issue and it's getting him healthy in other areas of his life. But another part of the reason for that um, loyalty, I'll say, is because we see those numbers. So it's a benefit to have the information from those blood tests. Sure. That physical evidence is there. Look, here, we can read this. We are making a change. Because other than urinary issues, actually, he had no urinary issues. I don't exactly remember what sent him in initially. But he didn't really have a lot of symptoms, which is often the case. So then how do you judge if somebody's getting better? Right. They didn't have a lot of symptoms to begin with. So that's where some of these lab tests imaging can really come in handy. What about the guys who do have issues with dribbling urination, hard to stop, hard to start, that kind of thing? What kind of improvement should people expect from the kind of work that we do? Realistically, because you're not going to turn them back into a 30-year-old. Never. And I, remind me to come back to that conversation because it's a big conversation. They can actually, I would say anywhere between 40 to sometimes 80, more often 60% improvement. So a clearer start and stop, mm. less dribbling, less hesitancy. And this is with consistent care weekly preferably bi-weekly, we know it's okay, but preferably weekly care over a couple of months. If they are really good patients and they do some simple exercises I show and they're at least incorporating healthier foods, if not shifting to a healthier diet or adding at least, even if they can't subtract some of the crap we know they probably shouldn't be eating, they will achieve Again, somewhere between more likely 40 to 60, more 60% improvement and maintain it, even past care, especially if they can take some of those healthy food choices and continue that even after they kind of give up on or don't have the time for or hit the end of their acupuncture care. They can still maintain a good amount of improvement. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. 
The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that damp heat causing substances that we love coffee, whiskey. Yeah. Right. How much of a role does that play? If someone was to give up coffee, and I guess, of course, it depends on each individual situation. Of course. But how much trouble do you think these very common things are that men like to drink? Again, it depends on if they're drinking it in excess. A cup a day, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Whatever. And if you give that up, you're not going to notice much of a change because it's not having that much of an effect. If you're a pot a day, I would say three plus cups of coffee a day type person, and you give that up, you're going to see a change. You're definitely going to feel a change. That's a lot of heat. That's a lot of heat. So again, it depends on the amount. I would say a moderate amount, one cup of coffee, a whiskey or two on a Saturday night maybe one on Friday night and you're doing other health promoting things. If you give one of those things up, you'll see some change. If you give it all up completely, I don't think it'll be too much change. I haven't seen that because it's a moderate amount. Mm -hmm. But if you are on the edge of alcoholism or again, a really high consumption of caffeine or a lot of extremely spicy foods and you do give those things up, you will see a large improvement. It will be noticeable. As we so often say in our trade, moderation. Moderation, yeah. The hard part is moderation is key and you and, and life's short and you should be having fun. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and let yourself off the chain once in a while, but it's hard to get back on the wagon. Like that weekend was so fun. I can't wait to do it again next weekend, but it'll start affecting your health again. So just being honest with patients and and trying to have those conversations openly, like, Hey, remember how good you were doing? Don't you want to get back there? (laughs) Cause it's easy to slip up right Mm -hmm. up for all of us, not just our patients. Lord knows we do it too. We're not perfect. What about exercise? You were talking about different exercises that you give your patients. What do you find to be helpful? So I have the benefit of having a personal training background for many, many years now. And so we keep saying this, but it's patient dependent. Where do they have tight muscles? Where do they have loose muscles? One of the places I like to start is just kind of getting them used to breathing exercises, breathing into the dantian, 
Breathing into that lower ab, into that pelvic floor, letting it expand, and then giving it a soft, gentle contraction, not too unlike a Kegel, to breathe that breath back out. And even just starting there, having them become more aware of that area in a positive manner, bringing mm. in positive energy, expanding with the breath, gently contracting with the exhale, and bringing that mind-body connection mm -hmm. helps a lot. It helps calm their anxieties around whatever is happening. And it starts gently moving those muscles and getting them to stretch and contract. If they have a tight low back or glute or hamstrings, which could be pulling on the perineum, which is going to pull on the penis muscles, I'll show them a couple low back and hamstring stretches. If they sit a lot and we have a vein, a nerve, and an artery at the groin, so if you're sitting all day, you're cutting off all three of those major structures. So showing them gentle exercises to stretch the front of the hip or laying back like in a butterfly so that you're opening that root, you're giving Ren One some energy and relaxing the hips. It's simple stuff like that that really can make a difference mm -hmm. to blood flow, which brings oxygen, which brings all the nutrients we need, hormones and chemicals to the area to help heal it. So it's not these massive, complicated exercises. No, these sound very simple. Using the breath as a way of moving the chi, that gets the chi moving. For those who sit all day, there's some blood stasis from that sitting, some gentle stretches to move the blood. And it's very impactful. People start to notice a difference mm -hmm. right away. I notice, especially in pain patients, the combination of breath work and simple stretches really helps alleviate their pain. Again, no matter what the underlying cause, right? Pain from prostate surgery, pain from prostatitis infection, those exercises really start to help them feel better. A lot of times in the case of chi or essence deficiency, it's a lot of really weak like abdominal muscles. So again, we'll do really simple, easy abdominal strengthening exercises, which again will help pull chi up, bind it into the general organs and into the center and up. It really helps. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that there's an element of prolapse in this with the people that are kidney deficient? Often, yeah, there can be. It's hard to explain this, and it's not like a Chinese medicine thing, but the prolapse is, it could go one way or the other. There's a chi deficiency, so damp accumulates, and that dampness is heavy, and it weighs. Mm. Or there's the dampness, which weighs, and the chi starts to literally dampen to pull down with it, right? Which is a little different how we look at, at prolapse. That's what I see a lot. Mm -hmm. So raising chi too, as you're trying to eliminate that damp, because if we're just trying to eliminate, eliminate, eliminate damp, we're going to keep that chi in the ground, right? So if we're not in a space where we can tonify kidney yet, diet exercise may be a great place to raise chi while we're trying to drain that damp because it's such an excess till we can make the transition to supporting the chi. And then watching and making sure damp doesn't accumulate. Okay. 
So it's the whole yin-yang thing, right? It's going to constantly interchange as the patient improves. They're going to have a backslide. They're going to have a great day. And that's the power of our medicine is we can change points. We can change herbs. We can shift our exercises to adapt for how their body is going to transition through the care. Yes, we all take our own path through healing, don't we? Yes, or fight it, <laughs> as I so often say. Or fight it. You want me to go that way? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. This way looks super comfortable and familiar. Well, there is that. Anything else to say about the hypertrophy? It's really common, and a lot of it is age-related, so that's prevention right? You can't stop getting older, but you want to keep your body healthy. Eating the right things, getting exercise, sleep is paramount, Mm -hmm. right? Having sexually or appropriate levels of sex and masturbation for your age, that can lead me into the conversation of really, sometimes you do have to sit down with your 60-year-old patient and go, hey, you're not 19. You're never going to be 19 again. And just letting them talk about their feelings about that and saying, you know, you may not be 19 again, but you can be a rock star for your age Mm -hmm. and let's get you there. You can be. So again, I just kind of let them, I present it if I'm noticing it's an issue, if there's just like, well, I want to be like that again. Why can't I be like that again? Yeah, because you're not 19 and you're not going to be. Exactly. And thank goodness for that, because you can think straighter when you're not horny all the time. Honestly, (laughs) I do see young men these days who also feel the pressure of that. Like, I'm young, everybody thinks I should just be able to perform, 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 but I'm tired. So, I mean, the conversation goes both ways. Like, hey, this is about Mm. your feelings and what you want to do with your body, too. Who cares what other people say you should be? If there's no true disease, then let's work with that emotional component that's affecting things, right? That feeling of inadequacy spans the generations. So usually it's a comfortable clinic conversation at some point. At some point. Mm -hmm. Kind of once rapport is established, yeah. And you can work with that on an emotional level. But as we all know, if there's some really true trauma there, that's our opportunity to hopefully refer out to a fabulous therapist that we hopefully have in our network. Because some of this stuff can run really deep and be very heavy and overwhelming and well out of our scope Mm -hmm. of practice. And we know we can support their mental, emotional state as they go through therapy, but um, sometimes it is out of our hands, right? And keep their body healthy so that when they catch up emotionally, their body's ready to go to meet them where they're at. And I just talk to guys about these things. You know, we have it as a conversation. This is normal. Do not be ashamed. Every man is going to go through this if he hasn't on some level already. And no, nobody talks about it, but it's happening. And I always start prevention right away. Let's start eating better. Let's start getting hydrated. For any condition, Mm -hmm. BPH is really watching that damp, watching those damp causing foods and liquids in temperature, you know, swimming around in freezing cold water from the waist down ain't going to help your kidney chi out, right? Not going to help your kidney chi, but it might help the damp heat a little bit. If it's a damp heat issue, yeah, it will. It'll help drain it. 
So it's really in getting comfortable with these conversations and, and giving patients small little nuggets to help themselves to feel empowered. Mm. You can let go of that fourth cup of coffee a day. Do it for me for one week. And if you come back in here and you're angry and you're pissed off about it, sweet. I can work on that liver chi. I got this. You're fine. (laughs) You know, giving them that one exercise a week till they, after a month, they have four and they're feeling better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's as simple as saying Google hip openers and find like a 10 minute yoga, free yoga video. You can do that. It makes a difference. So I think for whatever reason, going back to the beginning, people make this like it's so much of a more involved system of care. And while it is involved, it shouldn't be so overwhelming or oppressive. Get get comfortable with the language, fall back on your differentials. There are a few resources out there. I'm happy as I've been um, talking to people more, teaching more classes, I've really finally had some practitioners reaching out to me for advice. I love that. We learn from each other. We help from each other. Reach out to your resources. They're, doctors don't know we're doing this. Urologists don't know. See if you can talk to them, to their PAs. Maybe you're comfortable talking to a physical therapist or a massage therapist generate a network of trust and confidence with them and have those conversations with them. And maybe it won't be sending you hundreds of patients a month, but if you get one or two patients a year and they really needed you, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it, right? That's what we're doing this for. You were just mentioning the different professionals that we could network on, Mm -hmm. on this with and maybe help their patients out. I know a lot of pain docs will send the people they don't know what to do with yeah. to an acupuncturist. Correct. And maybe we, you know, if you get some good results, you could offer that kind of service to local urologists as well. You mentioned physical therapists and that kind of thing. I'm wondering what you think about doing different kinds of pelvic floor work. It's paramount. I'm glad you said that. So that would be a great group of physical therapists to reach out to are the ones that uh, specialize in pelvic floor therapy. And I have actually, for various issues too, found that in combination with acupuncture, herbs and whatnot to be a huge benefit. And it's a wonderful referral network that we often don't need a physician in the way of we can talk back and forth to each other. We understand the bodies. We understand what's going on. And it's really beneficial for all issues from pain to PPH to ED to prostate cancer, sometimes even low T. Sometimes low T can just be, again, more of a mild blood and cheese stagnation. Mm. Patient sits all day. The muscles are extremely tight. Maybe they're a strainer when they have bowel movements or urination. So so it's shutting down signal and blood flow. And if a PT can get in there and help loosen them up, give them also some home exercises it can really help out. It's a great compliment to what we do. Okay. So I would say if you're thinking about networking, those would be your, your go-tos first. Mm-hmm. In terms of cancer, mm-hmm. one of the interesting things about prostate cancer is if you're a man, I mean, no cancer is great to get, but if you're a man, prostate cancer often 
is the one you would want to get if you're going to get one. Correct. Simply because unless it's a fast one, and most are not, prostate cancer can grow for a long time, and many men die with it. Didn't even know they had it. Didn't even know they had it. Right. Not of it. So fast cancers, that's a different story. The slower ones, what can we do about that? They respond beautifully to acupuncture herbs and diet therapy. It really slows that train down. If there are mild symptoms, it can really help clear those symptoms up fairly quickly. It really does just respond excellent to what we do. Again, there will be a bit of a differential in there more based on the patient's constitution, which we definitely want to support, right? But we all know cancer tends to be phlegm type of stagnation. So working with points that help curb that, spleen 9, stomach 40, can be an excellent addition to care as well as supporting them wherever they're at. If they're a younger man, if they're an older man, it's really a wonderful way to care for cancer. It, it gives patients a lot of security that this is being watched. There is something being done to make sure this doesn't get worse, but I don't have to run and get under the knife, which can cause a whole other host of problems. A whole lot of other problems, yes. So it's also a really good emotional tool to help patients feel like I've got this. I'm working on this and I, and I have some empowerment here. I'm not going to let this get worse mm-hmm. or get the best of me. Yeah. So it's awesome. Catching those patients is hard. Like I said, it's more often you're going to see them after everything's been cut out, a nerve's been nicked, and now they have problems, unfortunately. How helpful is acupuncture? after the damage has been done? It is. It still is. But whereas you may see somewhat like 80-90% improvement before, you're going to see maybe 20-30. Occasionally, you have the star patient who has like 60% improvement. Erections are coming back. Pain is reduced. A chronic issue post-prostectomy is Peyronie's disease which is a building of plaque scar tissue in the penis that curves it. Mm. It's often extremely painful. So I have had success in reducing a lot of the pain from that, but not the curvature. So it's trying to keep your patient positive and looking at like the silver lining, right? Like I know, I know it's hard that you don't recognize your body anymore. It has shifted, but you don't have pain. And, and we all know pain is crippling. Pain is what primarily sends people to us. Mm-hmm. So I have seen major improvement in pain reduction after everything's been unfortunately torn out and ripped up and mild improvement in libido in erection. There's not no hope, but... There's hope. You may not be able to be at 100% erection, but maybe you can be at 60 to 70, which means you can still enjoy your body. It's just a little bit different mm-hmm. for, which, which is hard. Well, it's hard. Part of the aging process is coming to grips with that. There is that. And as you pointed out, you may not be like a 19-year-old rock star, Yeah, but you could rock 
whatever decade you happen to be in with what you got. Absolutely. And people do. And they come back and they're so excited and they're grateful and their partners are happy and excited as well, most of the time. Well, I think it's one of the biggest and challenging changes that we have as men is we go through life and there are certain things that over time, for a multitude of reasons that we've already discussed today, mm -hmm. things are going to change. It's not just with our sexual life and in our genitals, it's with our digestion, it's with our muscle mass, it's with our stamina, things change. Everything, yeah. Your focus on life, your outlook at life, mm. your career shift, looking at retirement, what does that look like? So, And that's often, especially when you're dealing with the older population, you're taking all those things into consideration. Men become more sedentary as they age or are retired, right? So that's going to affect the body a little bit too, negatively or positively, depending on what they have going on. So just having these open, honest conversations and hoping these generations coming around who are a little bit more comfortable continue to be comfortable talking about these things. So you don't feel so isolated and like, oh man, I'm the only one to look at him. He looks great. He still has hair. What the heck's going on with me? We're the same age. I mean, people aren't talking about that. You're in your own head about this stuff. And yes. it is, it's all men. It's every single man that has walked through my door, my husband, my friends, they all have these thoughts just like women do. Oh, I'm getting older and my body's changing. I'm not attractive anymore. We're so often comparing ourselves to others. Correct. And it's not that helpful. No. So that's a big thing I do have to say I repeat is, yep, this is common. Nope, you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. So I do repeat that a lot and it does eventually kind of take hold. One of the benefits of technology today is you can get online. Google search will bring up forums, chats, articles. And so that does add a layer of comfort. Like, well, obviously it's not just me if all this information is out there. Maybe. You know what? I'm going to put a maybe on that right now. Yeah. And the reason I say that is I've got patients, I'm thinking of one person in particular with asthma is on all these asthma groups. Mm -hmm. And there's a way that the groups can work where they keep people kind of stuck in a certain mindset. And, and if you have a different experience with, than the group does, they'll bring you back in line. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you're saying, actually. And I, I agree with you right there, yeah. I think you have to be careful with that. A lot of people say, oh, all that information on the internet. Well, there's a lot of noise on the internet. And you have to be able to separate noise from signal. Right. And that's a lot easier said than done. Correct. Correct. Well, that's where I think, too, us as a practitioner can hopefully be a trusted resource mm. where your patient can go, hey, I found this and I saw this online and ask you whatever questions. Is this correct? Is this incorrect? And also just a little side note, it's okay to say, I don't know but I'm going to find out for you, right? We don't know everything. Yeah, it builds a lot of trust when with comfort. We can say, you know, I don't know, but let's find out. Yeah, and then you go on that journey together and it's a great thing and that's where you're treating your patient becomes a little bit more of a partnership, which is super cool. I don't have that with any one of my Western doctors. I don't have that. 
So that's another area where we really shine in the yeah. compassion and the light of our medicine comes through. True enough. Lisa, anything else that you'd like to share before we wind this down for today? Yes. Don't be scared of this. Don't be scared of it. It's a lucrative area of acupuncture. Mm. Reach out to me. I'll help you. I'm going to start teaching more classes so you can learn some of the specific points and formulas per issue that I like to go to. And if you are scared of it, that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a bad practitioner. Refer out. Find somebody who's comfortable caring for these things. And always bring who you are to the table when you're treating these issues. Be comfortable. Be compassionate. But make sure your boundaries are up always because people also will try to push, but it's really a wonderful area of medicine. And it's so rewarding when these patients come back with these huge smiles on their faces and they're better, the work life's better, their home life's better because of an impact you helped make. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great work. Well, I'll make sure that all your contact information is over on the website. So y'all can check out the show notes page and get access to Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Michael. And thanks everyone out there for giving a listen. I appreciate all of you. I'm still kind of scratching my head over how it is that we have so much depth and capacity in our medicine to treat women's health. And yet when it comes to men, it seems like our medicine is either underdeveloped or somehow underutilized. Perhaps to some degree, there are cultural and societal influences For sure, men seek out medical attention far less than women. That thing about boys don't cry and suck it up if you're hurt, most of us, we took those lessons seriously. Still, it seems to me that our medicine should be as capable with treating prostate issues as it is with treating menstrual issues. So if you're in a doctoral program, do consider investigating more about this area where our medicine is being underutilized. And if you have something to share on the topic of men's health, please reach out because I'd love to have you share what you're discovering here on the podcast. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.